Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I want to go right into the Word tonight, and we will receive God's tithe and our offering at the end of the service tonight. In this morning's service, I shared with you the... um, assignment that the Lord has given me because I am privileged to be here this weekend, Wednesday, and next weekend. Liliana is up to visit her grandmother for for her summer vacation, and so I brought her up, and um, I'm just in town for the whole time, and then she'll get to be with us next weekend as well. So she's looking forward to seeing everyone, playing with all her friends, and so... Um, because I am here, the Lord put in my heart to give a certain focus and, and cover some ground in a specific area. And it goes in conjunction with what the Lord spoke through Sister Pat Harrison uh, two weeks ago when she was here ministering to our church. In the morning session, the Lord had her talk about the anointing. And from a perspective of our personal individual anointing, that every believer is equipped with the, with the anointing. We are all members of the body of the anointed one and his anointing. And that anointing on our life is for the purpose of God. And so that every believer can find their place in the plan of God and connect in his work. And then... In the evening service, she talked about the corporate anointing. And she, in that, uh, in that message, she used the example of the, the Old Testament worshipers coming together. They had singers, they had musicians, they had 120 trumpets all of the people, and they're gathering together to worship God. And it says, when they made one sound, they made a unified, uh, uh, a, a unified expression of worship, and it came out as one sound, and they were in unity. And in that unity, the anointing of God came upon them corporately, the glory of God manifested in their presence as a result of that unified voice, of that coming together corporately. And so in line with that, we recognize that the connection that we have to the plan of God and the diligence we bring to individually the plan that God has for our life and then our responsibility and our opportunity corporately, we bring our faith to that because we want to see God glorified, His His glory able to minister to the multitudes. In this morning's message, we talked about His work 
the work of God. And we saw that Jesus, he said, I come among you as a servant. In Philippians 2, it says he humbled himself and took upon him the form of a servant. And then in Luke 22, verse 27, Jesus himself made the statement, I am among you as a servant. And that that example that he gave for us was, I'm serving my father. I'm here to do my father's work. He said when in the beginning, when he began to recognize the call of God, he said, I must be about my father's business. And then we see that he would make statements. And this is the mind that we are instructed to have. Let this same mind be in you. This same attitude, this same perception be in you. What is the perception? That I'm here to do my father's work. That it's not beneath me. There's nothing in my father's house that's beneath my, my, my ability. Right? So Jesus said, my nourishment is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He made another statement in John chapter 6. He said, I did not come down from heaven to do my will, but to do the will of him that sent me. So he was sent and he was committed to that purpose that he was sent for. He said, They're the works that the Father has given me to finish, they bear witness of the Father in John 5 and 36. The work that we do gives God the glory. The work that we do points people to the Father. And then he said in John 9, I must, verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. So there's opportunity that must be received. That opportunity, this is the door that we walk through. This is the time frame while we can work the works of the Father, while we can complete the work of the Father, let's redeem the time and do all that we can do in this time. And so we saw also that Jesus didn't do this work by himself. At the onset of his ministry, he called disciples to himself. He called these disciples. He prayed about who to place in this position to serve in the ministry of God with him. He prayed about it. Luke chapter 6 verse 12 says, He went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And that was his preparation for calling the disciples the next day. He prayed throughout the night to, to receive the instruction from the Father. And then when he called these men to him, he said, I, I prepare you. I will make you fishers of men. You're, you're not what you're going to be, but if you'll follow me, I'll make you what you need to be. Amen? And so if we will just accept the assignment, if we will answer the call, if we will connect ourselves to the plan and the purpose of God, he'll equip us. He'll supply us with what we need to do what he's calling us to do. You know, many of the people that you see working in different departments didn't know how to do the things that they're doing until they stepped up to do them. I, I, many of the people who are running a camera have never run a camera before. Many of the people who are working in the computer uh, for, to bring up the scriptures and to work the wirecast, the live stream, they've never done it before. But we've, we can learn. We can be trained, right? And so 
the equipping is a, an equipping that God will provide for those who answer the call. Hallelujah. And we also see that those disciples, even though they were equipped to do spiritual things like cast out devils and pray for the sick and heal all manner of diseases, that wasn't their only responsibility. Many of them, uh, they, they all had natural responsibilities that went with the ministry. They had natural responsibilities like uh, being the treasurer. We know that when Jesus was ready to go in for the triumphal procession, he sent disciples ahead to prepare and, and retrieve the colt that he told them where they would find it. He sent them to prepare the room for the Passover. They had natural responsibilities, natural organizational responsibilities. Even in the feeding of the 5,000, we see that they had natural responsibilities to organize the people, to set them in groups of 50s and groups of 100s. They had the responsibility to distribute food. They had the responsibility to clean up after the meal, amen, to gather the fragments that remain. So they weren't just doing spiritual things. They weren't saying, oh, pastor, I'm available if you need me to preach, but don't call me if you need me to vacuum the floor. You find somebody else to vacuum the floor, but if you want me to preach, I can preach for you. No, the, the, the faithfulness is, is discovered and developed in the serving of the other areas to say everything that needs to be done in the ministry and the work of God is important. It's all valuable. I'll bring my supply to all of it. If it's, if it's working in the children's ministry, working in the youth department, if it's ushering, greeting, uh, whatever it needs to be, wherever there is a place for me, I'll bring my supply to the house of God, to the work of God, because the work of the ministry, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Hallelujah. So in understanding that there are natural responsibilities as well as uh, the spiritual responsibilities, and in the performing of the natural responsibilities, there is the heart of the ministry developed in me. That, that concept is something that I need to recognize. I want to see the concept in the scripture tonight. I want us to look at this in the word of God to see that this is the pattern that God has chosen for his body, for the kingdom. And so let's go to John 13. This is important because I believe this is preparation that God has for our church family. This is preparation because God is increasing us. God is preparing us to move into more. He's preparing us. We've been faithful with what he's given us. We've been faithful with this sanctuary. We've been faithful with this property. We've been faithful. Amen? And because we've been faithful, God is preparing to move us into more. We know that God has a sanctuary that will hold more people, where we can minister to more children, where we can minister to more youth, where we can minister to more families. 
He has more for us, but we don't want to wait till we get in the more to look around and say, we need to train people to help in the ministry. We need to recognize God's moving us into more, so let's prepare for the more. Let's be ready for the more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have, we have departments that have been running on a skeleton crew. We have departments that have, and, and people working in those departments who need supply of the Spirit. We, they need the, the natural help in those departments. Amen? And God's not going to call someone who doesn't have the vision. He's placed the vision in us, and He's raised us up so that we can all bring our part and our supply to the work of the ministry. John chapter 13 Let's begin in verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. This is taking the role of a servant. In this day and age that they were in, that the writing of this scripture was in, they did not have roads, paved roads. They had dirt paths, dirt roads. And they didn't, they had sandals. They had, uh, uh, when they would walk of any kind of a journey, even through town, their feet would get dirty. It was a custom and it was the role of the servant to wash the feet. When Jesus set aside his garments and turns, puts in this towel around his waist, he is saying, I'm going to serve you by washing your feet. Verse 5 says, he poured the water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Can you imagine what that would have been like. Can you imagine being the one that Jesus, who you have seen raise the the widow of Nain's son off of his casket? Can you imagine Jesus who healed Bartimaeus' eyes? Bartimaeus was blind, but Jesus, Jesus healed him. This is Jesus who calmed the wind and the waves. And now he's preached to these multitudes. He's taught. We've we've followed him. We've been serving him. We've been helping him in the ministry that God has called him to. And now all of a sudden he has a basin of water and he is pulling the sandals off your feet and he's putting your feet in the water. Can you imagine? I understand how Peter felt when Peter said, no, Lord, you can't wash my feet. I can understand. If, have y'all ever been to a foot washing? It's humbling. And, and you're like, they should have announced there was going to be a foot washing. I would have worn 
fresh socks before I got out of the car. Right? Been in these shoes all day long, Lord Jesus. They're washing my feet. It is humbling. (laughs) Not just for the one doing it, but definitely for the one doing it. Jesus has humbled himself, and he is disciple by disciple, taking their feet out of their sandals, putting them in the water, washing their feet with his hands, drying their feet, and then going to the next. What an example he gave. When he came to Simon, Simon said, Lord... Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, you know not now, but you will know hereafter. Well, we know. We know what he was showing us. We know the example he was desiring to portray, that he was letting us know, it's not beneath me to serve you. It's not beneath me to do anything for those who have been washed and redeemed by my Father in this covenant. Amen? He said, what I do, you don't know now, but you will know hereafter. Peter said unto him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I wash you not... You have no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Here, just all of me, Lord. If if that's the way it is, I submit. Jesus said to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore he said, You're not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Do you know what I have done? I'm sure they were still wondering, why did Jesus go through and wash all of our feet? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, here we go, you also ought. Would you underline that in your Bible? Would you mark that in some way? You also ought to wash one another's feet. He said, if I, your master, your Lord, if I, if I have washed your feet, you also ought to. He's telling us something we ought to do. And then he said this, for I have given you an example that you should do, there we go again, you should do as I have done unto you. You should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. So you and I are sent. Every one of us, we are sent. We are the disciples. 
We ought to serve one another. The Bible says, by love, serve one another. We love God, so we serve him by ministering for him in the local church. It's what we ought to do. It's what we should do as Jesus exampled here. Hallelujah. So, in, again, he, he instructs us to be as one who serves. Can we look at um, Matthew 20? Let me, let me go to Luke 22 before we go to Matthew 20. Let's, let's look at Luke 22. And let's read verses 25 through 27 in Luke. And then we'll go to Matthew 20. Hallelujah. Luke 22, 25. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that does serve. He that is chief as he who does serve. The new King James says, he who governs as he who serves. So he wants us in our positions to serve one another. The, the shepherd gives himself for the sheep. Hallelujah. Our pastor, he, he gives himself for the sheep. Our, our chief shepherd, Jesus, gives himself for the sheep. Amen? He's showing us the example. Now let's look at Matthew 20. Actually, I did not finish. Luke 22, verse 27 says, Whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serves? Is not he that sitteth at meat? When the natural, the one that's being served, is the one that's being shown the honor. But he's telling us that in the kingdom, he said, I am among you as he that serves. Amen? Now we'll go to Matthew. I didn't want to leave that unsaid. He is among us as one who serves. His example in his earthly ministry was the example of a servant. Matthew 20, 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him also be your minister. Well, this is the difference that we see between those two texts. In Luke, he said, he that is greatest upon you, let him be as the younger. He that governs as he who serves. Now he says, whoever will be great or desires to be great among you, let him be your minister. The word minister, I want you to underline it. And I'm going to give you the Greek word. It is a Greek word, and I'm going to spell it first. And if you're writing it down, it might help you. It's spelled D-I-A-K-A-N-O-S. 
diakonos, D-I-A-K-A-N-O-S, diakonos. Sounds like the word deacon. Kind of looks like the word deacon, doesn't it? So he that will be great among you, let him be your deacon. Well, even in today's society, we need to define deacon because there are many churches that have given the word deacon a different meaning than the Bible has given it. We want the Bible definition, church. Amen? The Bible definition is this. Diakonos means one who executes the commands of another. One who executes the commands of another. That's why he was saying in the other text, the way that Luke wrote it, was he that would be great, let him be the younger. Act like the younger. Because the younger, the youngest one in the family is the one who gets bossed around all the time. Can I get any witness among the girls over here? Y'all know what I'm talking about? The youngest one, they boss them around. No, don't do that. No, you, you do that. Right? And so... The, the younger one is, is the one taking the orders. And so the word deacon means one who executes the commands of another, especially the commands of a master, such as uh, uh, a, ser- a master to a servant, ex- the servant executing the commands. The definition also means the servant of a king. The definition goes on to say a deacon, one who by virtue of the office assigned to him by the church cares for the poor and has charge of and distributes the money collected for their use. And then the additional definition means a waiter, one who serves food and drink. Well, we know that the the men who were in Acts chapter 6, they were called deacons. They were called deacons. We read about them this morning. Can we go back and look at them in Acts chapter 6 just just to remind ourselves what they were doing? We know in this chapter, Acts chapter 6, there was a strife that had come up because the, the growth of the church had taken place and they didn't have enough people to cover the responsibilities and because of that, there were some of the widows who were being neglected in the food distribution. And so the strife was rising because people were being added to the church. The church was growing. And now there were places in the church that didn't have their staff covered. And so the leader said, it's, it's not appropriate for us to step away from our responsibility of preaching the word to be able to cover these other areas. How many of you would agree with that? Would you agree with that? What if you came in and it is five minutes before church and you're you're coming in, maybe you were running late, you're, you're coming in and you stop by the bathroom and Pastor Steele is in the bathroom scrubbing the commode. Would you say, Pastor, you're getting ready to preach in five minutes. Don't get that Clorox all over your suit. Here, Pastor, let me finish that. You go get ready to preach. What if, what if, y'all ever seen 
that little clip from uh, Wizard of Oz. And the Toto goes behind the curtain and pulls the curtain back. The little doggy pulls the curtain back. And the man's back there twisting. It's the same man that met him at the door. It's the same man that led them in. And, and now he's back there being the voice of the... the he's, and he says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Right? Why? Because he's doing everything. So... We would agree that it, we want our pastor ready spiritually. We don't want him to have to be doing the ushering to do that. We don't want him greeting us at the door and then running in and escorting us to our seat and then making sure the bathroom is clean and then going back and saying, okay, now we're going to get the kids ready. And, and no, we, we want to say, pastor, you need to do your part. Let us have a part. That's what was happening at their church in, in, in this growth, in this expansion. As the people were coming in, the staff weren't there to fulfill everything. So he said, we need to look among us. I want you to look in, in the congregation for people to help the ministry, the work of the ministry. And that's what they did. They looked among themselves and they had specific requirements for the distribution of food and it wasn't can they cook can they can they count out to make sure they give the right portions that wasn't the requirement it was spiritual why because everything we do in this church is spiritual it has a spiritual impact what we do in the greeting and in the ushering and in the, the uh, media center and the AV department and children's ministry and youth ministry, we're doing it for the Lord. There's an anointing and a grace for every one of us in those roles. But it's spiritual. And, and it's not going to have the same effect if I don't have a spiritual supply intact hallelujah in other words not anybody can just come in here and do some of the things that you can do because you're anointed to do them people who who were at the bar till two o'clock in the morning and and living living like the world all week long and cussing and 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 living after their flesh they're not going to come in and teach in the children's ministry we, how many of y'all want them teaching your children on Sunday morning? No. We want somebody who has a walk with God, a relationship with God, teaching our children. Can you say praise God for Pastor Anthony and Pastor Tanya? Praise God. We have children's ministers who love God. We have youth ministers who love God. All the children said a big amen, right? Because they can't teach our children how to love God if they don't love God. We want them to be spiritual, but we want the ushers to be spiritual too. We want the parking lot team to be spiritual too. Let me tell you, I I shared a a story about uh, Rosemary Allred this morning, but I want to tell you about if you've ever listened to the live stream from the other campus, our, our sister campus in Little Rock, if you ever hear a man saying, Come on in. Uh, 
that man had heard about our church and he was on his way. He was, he was going through a very difficult time in his life that he had, had very dramatic changes in his life. His wife had decided to go away from him and, and, and left him in uh, a situation where he, he let her have the house and so he, he owns a taxi, and he's a taxi driver. He was sleeping in his taxi. And he, he came, he was going to go to a church, and God directed him to come by our church. And he's like, I didn't even want to go in there. And he drove through, and really slowly, and he stopped and he looked in, and the greeters who were standing there, the greeters said, hey, let's motion for him to come in. But he drove on. And those greeters, he did not know this for some weeks later, those greeters said, let's pray and ask God to bring him back. Because they saw him pull off. They were going to go welcome him in. And they saw him pull off and they said, let's agree and ask God to bring him back. And so they took hands and prayed that he would come back. He drove to that other church that he had thought about going to, and he, he put his car in park, and he said, what am I doing here? And drove back to our church. Drove back to our church. And he steps out of his car, and he said, I could see the people walking in, and they were all dressed so nice. And remember, because of what has happened in his life, he's been sleeping in his taxi. And, and, and he said, I thought to myself, I can't go in there. I can't go in there. And, and one of the ladies who was a greeter, she said, hi. And she caught him out in the parking lot as he's talking himself out of coming in. She came out and got him and said, he said, I don't feel like I'm dressed right. She said, you're dressed fine. Come on in. And God ministered to him on that day, and he rededicated his life to the Lord. Hallelujah. What if those greeters had never prayed? Do you see why we need greeters who hear from God? Amen. Greeters who can respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So there were requirements. They were spiritual requirements. We want someone who is full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom who, who has an honest report that we may put over this business, this work of the ministry. Hallelujah. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We know that these who were chosen, many of them went on to continue because of the faithfulness that they had in this area. God was able to trust them in more. But not only that, verse 7 says, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in the city greatly. And that's what we're going to see as more and more step up and take their place. Hallelujah. So that we don't have one person doing it all in the AV department. 
We're, we're not having them have to be in that department every week, but they can help teach and train and run the department. We, we can have people who are coming alongside to help in the children's ministry. We have people coming alongside to help in the parking lot team so that we can represent our Father and help complete His work. Amen. So this word minister, let's go back to Matthew 20 and let's finish what Jesus said here in Matthew 20. He said, those who are uh, desiring to be the greatest among you, they are the ministers. Whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, your servant. So ministry isn't um, glamour. Ministry is work. Ministry is work. And so if I'm a minister, I'm a servant of God. And whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Hallelujah. He's our example. He's our example. Now, I want to show you how the equipping of the Spirit has um, provided for us all to operate in the ministry that God has in this earth today. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Would you look at your neighbor and say, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Glory to God. That's what we're here for. We're here to help. When it's, so church isn't all about what I'm going to get out of it. I know I'm going to get something out of it because God always has a supply for me. But my motive in coming to church is to help. My motive in coming to church is I'm here to serve the Lord. And serving the Lord isn't sitting in the seat. Remember I said this morning, this is not a spectator sport. We don't need to cheer the pastor on. We will respond to the pastor when the preaching is going forth because I'm receiving. And when it hits me, I get glad about it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's right, pastor. I'm glad about it. I'm connecting with it. But I'm not just cheering him on like the, the, the uh, fans in the football stadium watching and then going home and saying, wasn't that a great game? No, I, we, we are gathered together, assembled as the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. And God has set some in the church. First apostles. The apostles were the first ones responsible for the work of the ministry. There weren't any people in a role of a pastor yet. When they all got saved, it was just the apostles who had been trained by Jesus. Amen? Who had worked in the ministry of Jesus, who had served in the ministry of Jesus. They caught the, the flow of the ministry as they served the master, as they served Jesus in the regular tasks that they were responsible for. Amen? Now they are leading. God set them first. They were the first ones in a position to, to, 
to establish the work of the ministry. And then we see the prophets began to, to be established. And teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps. Helps? Does your Bible say help, H-E-L-P-S, helps? Wait a minute. Miracles? I'm impressed. Miracles. Gifts of healings. Are you impressed? Gifts of healings. Oh, yes. Helps? God considers helps to be of as much and equal value with these other grandiose, great operations in the work of the ministry. If there are no helps ministry, how's anybody going to come to receive of the gift of healing? How's anybody ever going to be able to, to, to come in and, and encounter the miracles if there's no helps ministry? So helps is set in order by God. God set helps in the church. God set ushers in the church. God set the workers of the ministry in the church. Hallelujah. We know this word, help, is translated in the original language as relief. As relief. It means to support one who gives assistance or participation. We know why Jesus did not fulfill the Father's work by himself. Jesus, our example, he came as a servant, but he called others to him to help him in the work. Amen? The pastor, following that same example of Jesus, he receives the assignment that he is sent to accomplish, and then he imparts that assignment into you and I. And with that assignment in our heart, we have a part to play in the vision of building people's faith and framing their world because pastor can't do it by himself. He cannot do it by himself. And the, the assignment of God and the pattern that God gives for that assignment calls for participation. So it's not a spectator sport. This is a participation sport. There are no players on the bench. All players get to play in the game. Nobody's warming the bench. Hallelujah. We're all on the field. Glory to God. So this word, again, it means... To support, give assistance, participation. Hallelujah. In Exodus 18, I believe this is where the pattern was established. Exodus 18, let's look at verse 17. Oh, praise God, we're growing. Can you just, can you just sense the growth in your spirit? This is miracle grow food right here. Exodus 18, 17. And Moses' father-in-law, wait, wait, wait. Let's back up and read why Jethro's about to say this. Verse 13. 
It came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from morning unto the evening. So they are encamped. There are things going on. There's three million people that have come out of Egypt. They are encamped in this this place, and they have all these difficulties that they need Moses to judge. They've got discrepancies among themselves, strife, arguments, and they're coming to him, and they've lined up. The line is so long that they line up in the morning, and by the evening, there are still people in the line. I I would say they probably keep getting in the line, right? So this line from morning to evening, Moses is spending his entire day hearing about their problems. Now, his father-in-law, priest of Midian, Jethro, he has just come to visit Moses, and he sees this. He sees this, and he says to him in verse 14, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is this thing that you do to the people? Why Sittest thou alone, and all the people stand by you from morning until evening. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a matter, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that you do is not good. You will surely wear away, both you and this people that is with you, for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to perform it yourself alone. You can't do it all. One person can't do it all. But Moses had himself in the position that I've got to answer this. I've got to be the one to make the decision. I had um, uh, one of the staff members in the past was known to give out their personal phone number. And so everybody would call this one staff member. And, and then this one staff member found, found herself having to come and tell the pastor, Pastor so-and-so said they're not going to make it today. And so-and-so say this happened and they're going to be late. And so-and-so this and so-and-so. And finally, pastor said, why are, you, why are you coming and telling me? Well, because they have my phone number. And so they're calling me. Well, they can call the church number. And the message will get to me. And you won't be. And so this person had to learn how to, how to say, okay, I'm here if you have an emergency, but if, if everybody in the church called me, how am I going to get to church on time? If everybody in the church called me for me to pass a message along to pastor, how am I going to get to church on time? I'm going to be too busy on the phone, right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. There are in the church... When pastor delegates the responsibility, let's just say, for instance, to the ushers, the ushers don't need to call pastor. They have someone that pastor has placed in the the position 
so that instead of having to call pastor, they can call Brother Daryl. And, and then Brother Daryl, if it's something that needs to, to be brought to the pastor's attention, if, they, if they're just calling to say, I'm going to be 15 minutes late, we don't have to call pastor to tell him. I can let Brother Daryl know, and he can cover the position, right? Do you, do you see the one person can't do it all? Glory to God. So this set the precedent. He said, hearken now unto my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Be thou for the people to Godward, that you may bring the causes unto God, and you will teach them ordinances and laws, and shall show them the way wherein they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall provide out of all the people able men. Now, do you remember what he said in Acts chapter 1 they needed to look for? Men who were honest, of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit, right? He says, you will provide able men who fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and, the, and place such over them to be representatives, to represent you so that they can reach that person, get the answer that they need, give the information that they need. Amen? Glory to God. This is the precedent that we saw set for what we read in Acts chapter 6. Hallelujah. Because we're all here to help. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, and I'm going to use the amplified version of verse 16. The amplified version of verse 16 says, For because of him, the whole body, the church, in all its various parts closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied, when each part, with power adapted to its need, is working properly in all of its functions, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. Hallelujah. We are the body of Christ. As a local church, we're a a part of the body of Christ. We are joined, firmly knit together, and we each have a supply in that connection. What gives my hand the power that my hand has isn't located in my hand alone. The power in my hand is connected to the power in my arm, how strong my bicep is, and that's a really bad example because I ain't been to the gym in a long time, y'all. <laughs> but back in the day, look, can, can I use your bicep? Because my bicep's not helping. His bicep provides for his arm, amen, and for his hand. So have you ever had anybody a handshake and you're like, want to go to your knees when they shake your hand because there's power in their hand? That handshake, that power, it's all supplied. It's all connected. The power is connected in every part in the church. 
It's not just what's taking place here. It's when we all come together on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Wednesday evening. We all come together and we're bringing our supply until this place is throbbing with the power of God. And people are coming in and receiving answers and receiving strength. And, and the connections that they're making to the body are bringing a supply for their life. Hallelujah. That's what we need. It's the connection. Every joint has a supply to bring. Every member has a part to play. The God's Word translation says, He makes the whole body fit together and unites it through the support of every joint. As each and every part does its job, He makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. As each and every part does its job. As each and every member does his or her part, we'll grow. We're growing. There is a stability and a supply in you. You've been receiving not only of the word preached and the revelation of the word preached, but the vision and the anointing. You've been soaking in the vision. You've been soaking in the anointing for that vision. Hallelujah. And you'll find a fulfillment as you connect and as you bring a supply. And every, every opportunity is honorable. From the vacuuming of the floors to the sweeping of the sidewalk. There's honor in sweeping the sidewalk. Because I'm loving God by serving. Hallelujah. And in that, God will be glorified. That's what Jesus said. As I do the work, the Father is glorified. Hallelujah.